0: We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Let's get started this morning with going to the Lord in prayer. Father, we would like to just thank you this morning for our worship team as they bring us into a place of worship. It just does my heart well to see young people as they sing praises to you. And Father, as we reflect on that song, you are the one that gives grace and healing that our hearts long for. And God, I just thank you for that grace and that mercy that you've given through Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, in our lives when we do go through the hard times and the storms and the trials of this life God because it's then it's when we can understand what faith really is and we can learn to depend on you and your word and then through that God we see it's truthfulness God you are my best friend and I thank you for being there for me and my family. And I pray that your people would embrace you as their best friend as well. You say in your word, you will never leave us nor forsake us. Even God, when we try to do things in our own way and our own ability, you are faithful even when we are faithless. We can't even begin to express our gratitude to you, Father for simply allowing us to come together freely this morning to worship You, our King. And while pastors around the world are being convicted of blasphemy against Allah and sentenced to death from converting to Christianity, here we sit freely to worship. I pray for them and I, God, I ask that you cover them with peace and joy and a boldness to stand for Christ. Lord, I pray that you will continue to teach us, allow us to learn from the book of Jonah and the life of Jonah so that in our daily lives we may learn to follow you better each day. I pray that you use this time I pray you empower me, fill me with your Holy Spirit, God, that your word might transform the lives of your people. And we ask you all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as a brief recap of what we've been going over, we've been studying through the book of Jonah. And last week we looked at the effects of running from God. Living in sin or running from God, whatever you want to call it. And we spoke about how when we do run from God, there can be possibilities of difficulties, times of drowsiness or tiredness from running. And finally, we looked at how running from God could cause us to really live lives of deception. We know God spoke to John, Jonah, God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, but instead of following the instructions of God, He insisted on taking a boat trip in the opposite direction from where God commanded him to travel to. Last week I encouraged you to evaluate your life, to look at your life, to make sure that you're not running from God in some fashion. Because the problem is, is you can't hide. You can run from God, but you can't hide from God. God is omnipresence. He's everywhere. He's he's all-knowing. He's omniscient. And so while we've been in this study, we've looked at those things, but we've also looked at the the book itself in four different divisions. We saw in chapter 1, we see Jonah on the dry land disobeying God. We see him continuing in chapter 1. We see Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And then in chapter 2, we see Jonah under the sea pleading with God. And in the last two chapters, 3 and 4, we see him back on the land, obeying what God has commanded him to do. And I think tying those together, disobeying equals fighting and pleading equals obeying. And so we don't want to be disobeying because that means we'll be living lives fighting against God. Instead, we want to be pleading with God so that we can live lives in obedience. And so our day, today our, our study will continue on the life of Jonah. In chapter 1, Jonah on the sea fighting with God. And so let us jump right into the text this morning. Jonah chapter 1, verses 10 to 17. Let us read together. Jonah one 10 to 10-7. It says this, and I'm reading from the New American Standard. Then the men became extremely frightened. And they said to him, how could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. So they said to him, what should we do to you that the sea they become calm for us, for the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rowed desperately to return to the land, because they could not, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, Do not let us perish on account of this man's life. and Do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked Jonah up. They threw him into the sea and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly. And offered sacrifices to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days, three nights. I studied, as I studied this text, I really tried to understand just what was happening. What was the big picture of what was going on here? The big picture that I came up with is everyone is trying to do things in their own way. You got Jonah not wanting to do as God has told him to do, running in the wrong direction. You got the sailors praying to their false gods, cleaning off the ship of its cargo so that the boat would stay afloat, trying to save themselves. There's a continue. Widespread idea of this throughout this narrative of people simply doing not doing what they are told to do. Now everyone is suffering the consequences of that action. We learned last week that running from God causes difficulties, drowsiness, and deception. And here in our text, we are still seeing many of these things happening in the lives of these men. The storm is still raging. There's still hints of deception not only in the life of Jonah but in the life of these men, the sailors. But all this is about to come to an end, to a halt. Running is about to stop and doing things on their own is about to be brought to a halt. The consequences are about to unfold for the decisions that Jonah and these sailors have made. And we need to listen And learn from these men's mistakes so that by the grace of God, He can help us in times when we want to run. There will be times when we want to run from God. I promise you. There will be times when we want to do things in our own ability. There will be struggles and temptations in this life where we will want to push away God and allow our old life to bring back up the way we used to be. The Bible says the old is gone. Behold, the new is present. We need to refrain from the old life. Put on the new life by remaining faithful. Several years ago when I was in the construction business, I was running a fairly large project which involved moving over a million yards of dirt a year. That's a lot of dirt, if you don't know. We dug lagoons, we built roads, sewer systems, house lots to get these lots ready for the builders to build homes. It was a high-end subdivision, so to speak. The work was very extensive. I was the general superintendent of the project, and so therefore I was the boss And I had to make sure that whatever happened on that project was done in an orderly manner. Uh, It was my job to make sure the job was completed efficiently and completely to where my company would make the most bang for their buck, so to speak. But I also had a boss that was over me that instructed me to do things his way and the way he wanted to do it. Though I didn't always agree with What he wanted to do, needless to say, he was my boss. It was my job to do things his way. The same went for my workers. I was their boss. They were to follow my instructions as I told them what to do. There should be some willingness to submit to their authority, just like I had a willingness to submit to my authority. Otherwise, we can find ourselves looking for other jobs. My people and myself. We were on one of the very last cuts in this very large lagoon. We had dug down about 18 to 20 foot and removed all of the dirt. Now we had about two more foot to cut. And so I instructed my men to do something in a specific way. I remember that day well. Because that was the day my men decided that they were going to do things their own way. They didn't do as I told them. They decided that I didn't know what I was doing, and so therefore they needed to come in and take care of it themselves in their own ways. God instructs us to do things this way, He's our boss. He's really given us a book an outline of the instructions we are to follow. But sometimes we want to do things our own way. And I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you're doing in your own way? Have you gone out on your own today? Or are you doing things in a way that Scripture says, we should do it this way? Well, if you are, there's a few things that I want you to get out of this message today that I think will help you get back to doing things God's way. Could there be more room, more information that I could give you a course? But what I'm going to look at today are a few things the Lord has impressed in my heart as I studied this passage of Scripture this week. Three things. Number one, we need to develop a healthy fear of God. Number two, we need to develop a healthy reliability on God. And thirdly, we need to develop a healthy worship of God. That brings us to our first point this morning. We need to develop a healthy fear of God. Right here in verse 10, we begin to see this take place. These men are now beginning to fear the Lord. Verse 10 says, Then the men became extremely frightened, and they said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Our first word here in this verse really tips us off that the fear these men had came from something before verse 10. The word then. I hit a baseball, then the ball went out of the park. I cut the power on then the lights came on. Then is connecting us to the previous verse. So let us review what it's talking about before that. If you remember, they had just finished casting lots. They came together, we said, we need to find out who is the cause of this great storm. And so they cast lots, and the lots fell on the Jonah. And if you remember, they began to give Jonah the fifth degree, and they began to ask him all these questions. Like, what do you do? Where do you come from? What, from what people are you from? And this is the statement that cast fear into their hearts. Verse 9 says, And he said to them, after they questioned him, He said, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then it says in verse 10, Then the men became extremely frightened. Why is it that these men have now all of a sudden became extremely frightened? Well, I would have to say that I think they've heard of this God. Though we know they're not praying to this God because earlier in the passage it said they cried out to their gods, the lowercase g. But you know, these men most likely knew they're living in most likely in the eighth century BC, and here it is 2012, and we're talking about this very God. So you would think the older and the farther you get back, the closer they was a reality to them to see all of the events that this God had done. You can bet these pagans have heard all that God has done through the exodus. And now they're dealing with a man, a prophet, from the big G God. they become more afraid now. They're getting closer and closer to the reality of this God. Verse 5, if you remember, told us they became afraid. And now they had become extremely frightened. Why? Because they knew of this God. And though it seems they worshiped other gods, they were beginning to have a reverence for the Big G God, the God of Jonah, the Lord of Jonah. Do we have a healthy fear of God today? Do we really fear God? Are you fearful of the Lord? I mean, does God truly even exist to you? Or is he simply a figment of your imagination? Sometimes we act like there's no God that truly exists, by the way, we act. And I'm guilty, number one. If I truly believed in the God of the universe, why do I do the very things that I don't want to do? And the very things that I want to do, I don't do. Maybe it's because I don't have a healthy fear of God. When I tell you that God answers my prayers, when God speaks to me through His Word... When God allows me and you to go through trials and tribulations in life, circumstances that don't seem like God could put us under. Maybe even puts us in the middle of a storm like Jonah. Have you developed a healthy fear of God? I've heard of God... So that's why I become frightened. When God had spoke to me through his word so clearly so many times as I prayed about what should I do and God would reveal to me his direction I would say God I get it. You don't have to tell another preacher. I get it, I understand. You're kind of weirding me out. You're speaking to me so clearly. Now, all of you may have not a struggled with that, but I know there are people who are struggling with the reality that God is teaching them so much that they don't want to open their Bible. Because that's how real God is. The question is, do we have a true fear of God? Look, I know that many don't understand what it means to fear the Lord. But the Bible is so full of places that tell us we must fear God. We must have a healthy fear of God. Here's just a few places. It says, Obey your masters in singleness of heart, fearing the Lord in Colossians. The fear of the Lord teaches one wisdom, Proverbs. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Psalms. Moses was afraid to look at God. Here we have a man of God, fearful of God. In Exodus. At the day of the Lord, men will be terrified. Isaiah. He is to be feared above all gods. Here these sailors are praying to their little gods, but now they're developing a fear of this God. Jeremiah says, I will put the fear of me in their hearts. Fear lest God not spare you in Romans. Surely you will fear me and accept my instructions, Zephaniah. Walk in the fear of God, Nehemiah. Throughout, on and on and on through Scripture, there's places that speak of fear. Fear. And how we are to fear God. Do we really fear God? Do we have this awe of God? Who God really is? God wakes us up every morning. He gives us the very breath that we breathe. Why does our heart continue to beat so long? I mean, everything we create in this world doesn't last that long. That's why we're always getting new vehicles, because they go out on us. But yet, you can put your hand to your chest, and you can feel the beat of your heart. Why does it last so long? Things God create works for a lifetime for many. We need to develop a healthy fear of God. And in our world today, Christians all across the world have no fear of God and their actions prove it. They treat God as He's a genie in a bottle. Let's rub the bottle. They treat God as He is some Santa Claus God. I need this and I need that and as long as life is smooth sailing, we don't need God. We just want to sleep like Jonah when the seas are calm in the bottom of the boat. Fear God, because God is not your homie, as I read on a t-shirt in Missoula. He is the God of this universe. The creator of mankind. And we need to start having a holy reverence and true fear for God in heaven. He's a God of love, yes. But let us not forget He is a a God of wrath. See what Job thought of God. Look at Pharaoh. See what he thought of God. It took a lot, but he realized who God really was. How about those who wandered in the wilderness for 40 years? I've been to the wilderness. I wouldn't want to be there for more than a day. This is the God we worship. And these men right here are beginning to develop a healthy fear of God. They said this, how could you do this, Jonah? They're afraid that now they too would be involved in the punishment for Jonah's crime of running. In the Hebrew, you could read it this way that was an awful thing for you to do, Jonah. They realized that this God was one you don't play with. And now it's becoming more and more real right before their very eyes. They're sitting in the boat and they're pointing a finger at Jonah. How could you do this? Blaming Jonah as if they had no idea he was running from God. But the reality is his fault. And they believe he's the cause. But the reality is the ball is now in their court as well. For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he told them. Right about now, Jonah has really made himself look like a fool. And really, that is the result of us backsliding as Christians. Before a pagan world, as we backslide as Christians, we become the foolish people. You want to run? You want to backslide as a believer? Remember, listen, the boat was waiting on Jonah. He had the money in his pocket. Things seemed to work out real well for Jonah. And the reality is sometimes things work seemingly well when we want to run. But for the believer, God wants us to have a healthy fear of Him. And so it won't be long until the storm starts rolling in. You want to do things your own way? Listen, <laughs> you want to have these kind of relationships that God forbids, don't worry, the storms are coming. You might hide it for a moment, but when the storm comes, it's going to seem like a raging ocean. And what I want to see is that prevent it by having a healthy fear of God. Verse 11 said, So they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. Jonah, you're the cause. Now give us a solution to the problem. We are fearful for our lives, fearful of this God, and and the sea is not getting any better. It's getting worse and worse and since Jonah knew what would ha- what, why this happened and what was the cause of this storm, this should qualify Jonah in the eyes of these sailors to recommend a solution to the problem. You know, I, there's so much you could pull out of these passages. And when things go bad, and, and, and we as believers... Move ourselves outside of the will of God. And we bring others with us. And things start happening like they shouldn't. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to look to us. That we get out of this problem. We're the cause of it. Sometimes we're the sailors. Sometimes we are Jonah. Jonah. Sometimes we invite problems into our lives and sometimes we're the problem. And here Jonah concludes that human sacrifice is the only solution to make this storm calm from its raging. Now listen very carefully here. It may not even be a type. It may be even allegorical. And I'm not saying it is, all I'm saying is I'm reminded through this man Jonah, a man named Jesus Christ. Jonah is the only solution to the problem of these mans on this ship. He's the only solution to the problem of the raging storm. And Christ is the only solution to the raging wrath of God that we deserve in our lives. The wrath of God is to be feared. And Jesus Christ is to be embraced, to remove us from the wrath of God. The wrath of God that God should pour out on each one of us because of our sinful nature. But Christ, He who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He said on the cross, My father, my father, why have thou forsaken me, my God? The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ at Calvary. And he became the human sacrifice for the forgiveness of the world. And we better start believing in that. Some have an unhealthy fear of God because they don't have a relationship with God. That's part of becoming and developing a healthy relationship is putting your trust in Christ, the man. God Himself. In the beginning was the Word, Word Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you have an unhealthy relationship with God? Believe on Christ. Jonah has given these men on this boat a solution to the problem. Throw me overboard. And today I have given you a solution to the problem. Believe in Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It's my fault, Jonah says. I know because of my sin this storm has come to you. This is why it can't be a type of Christ because Jonah was a sinful man. Christ was perfect, but I'm reminded of it. He has admitted to being the cause in the midst of Jonah's running. God is using it to build a healthy fear of these men. You want to run? You want to backslide as Christians? God will use your circumstances to grow others. But I want to be on the other side. I want God to use me as I'm running with God, not away from God. We need to develop a healthy fear of God. Because He tells us to. And when we do, we will have lives that will show true, genuine reverence for God and His people. It will give us an awe of God. It's important. have a fear of God. But while we're learning to fear God, secondly, we must develop a healthy reliability on God. Hit that next slide, please. Verse 13 says this, However, the men rode desperately to return to the dry land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Jonah has told them, throw me overboard, get rid of me, the sea will calm for you. But I wonder if these men are struggling with this. Why didn't they want to throw Jonah? Why didn't they get rid of him? Jonah told them that he was fleeing from the Lord, but they still let him on the boat. I wonder if they feel some kind of responsibility to get this prophet back to the shore. The key word here is however. You know, these little words make a big difference when we look at Scripture. I told my men what to do on the job that day. However, they didn't do it. My men should have had a healthy fear of me. I'm not God, but I was their boss. And in the moment I could have fired them or replaced them. So they should have had a respect for me. A reverence for me as their boss. By relying on me as their boss, in doing what I've instructed them to do, they remain safe. Because they are only doing what I told them to do. But if you get outside on your own, and you start trying to do things on your own, Doing it another way, you stand a chance of walking into storms or being fired. God is our boss. I'm not your boss. God's our boss. And when He gives us instructions, which He has through His Word, it's our responsibility to follow them. And when we do, it's healthy. We rely on God when we do that. But the moment we step away from this and we start indulging in the sinful ways of life, we push God aside and we begin to do it our own way. And it's not healthy. It's important that we rely on God. That's why I chose the passage. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. We need to develop a healthy reliance, reliability. We need to rely on God. They wanted to save Jonah. They wanted to get him back to the land. But this prophet of God has instructed them on what they are to do. However, they make plans to do it another way. And the siege just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. This is God's doing. And Jonah is a God-man, and when God's man tells these men what will bring them to safety, they fail to obey. Throughout this whole first chapter of Jonah, we see a bunch of people failing to do what they're told. They don't know God like Jonah knows God. They're pagans, learning the hard way about who God really is. But after trying with everything they have within them to row this man back to the shore, and row in Hebrew really means to dig, and so they were paddling their way back to the shore as hard as they could. They couldn't make it. Remember, running makes you drowsy, makes you tired. And they're dead beat from trying to get this man back to shore and they realize it ain't going to fix the problem. Those men don't know God like we know God. They're finding more and more out about God as this trip on the sea continues. We need to have a healthy reliability of God. There's instructions. No one is following directions here. God has a way and whatever that way is to get you back into the fold into the will of God it will come to pass. Whatever storms are sparking in your life whatever trials, whatever struggles listen if you're doing everything in your power you're repenting of your sin you're asking God to forgive you God brings storms so that He can bring you back to Him. Don't say, God, why do you got me going through this? What's your problem, pal? No. We need to embrace Him and say, "All right, God, I'm going through this struggle, and I know You've made me place this in my life, just like the storm in Jonah's life, so that You might bring me back into the fold of Christ. That's what storms are for. Some storms are to get you to remember, you can't do it on your own. These men were trying earnestly to do it on their own. It's God's will that these men follow the directions of this prophet. You know why? Because we see the end. This was the will of God. Jonah said, throw me off the boat and the sea will calm. That's what God wanted done. And so now... They have to make a decision. They have to decide. The man we let into our boat is the man that must depart from this boat. Verse 14 reads, And they called upon the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, Do not let us perish on the account of this man. And do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. Listen, they say, God, You are the one in control here. Don't let the death of this man be on us. Don't, don't let us die because of what he's done. They don't want Jonah's blood to be on their hands. They're praying maybe because they understand the Old Testament law about shedding innocent blood it was not good. Another pro- prophet, Jeremiah, warned Judah's officials about the danger of shedding innocent blood in Jeremiah 26. And in Proverbs 16.6, one of the verses my children have memorized, tells us there's six things, six things God hates, seven in His abomination. And in verse 17 it says, "...hands that shed innocent blood." They understood the importance of not shedding innocent blood. Even as pagans, they didn't want that on their hands. So they cried out to Jonah's Lord. You have done as you've pleased, they said, as if the throwing Jonah overboard was an act from God Himself. They finally come to where Jonah has brought them Human sacrifice is the only solution to the problem. Listen, guys, I can hear them conspiring. If we're going to live, if we're going to make this trip on the sea, if these waves are going to stop, we need to chunk this dude overboard. It's God. God told us to do it, so let's do it. Let's chunk him overboard. It's almost like they knew what would solve their problem. Jonah had already given them the answer. But they're doing everything they can within their own power not to do it. And so they psychologically trick themselves into thinking, okay, this is the will of God. Well, it was the will of God. So just do it. Don't feel shameful about it. Cast a man over the board. Listen, I hope today that you come to the understanding that believing in Christ is the only solution to the problem. While it was hard for these men to throw Jonah overboard, they had to get rid of the problem. Some of us need to get rid of the problems. We have let them in the boat. But now it's time to get rid of the problem. What is it in your life that has become the issue, the sin issue? Look, it doesn't matter how hard it is, you must get rid of it. We all struggle in different areas, in different ways, with different temptations. We must do everything in our own will, and our own power, by trusting in Jesus Christ to get rid of those things. What is it? That is what happens here. Jesus... If you remember. In verse 15 it says, They picked up Jonah and they threw him to the sea and the sea stopped its raging. You remember Jesus? When He was with His disciples in the boat and a raging storm came about and He was in the boat sleeping and the the disciples are about to lose it. They're they're like, Lord, wake up! We're going to die! What are you doing sleeping? And He gets up and... He calms the sea. You see, it wasn't until they did what they were told to do, the rubber lying on God, that the calm storm comes about. This is what happens in this very verse. The same response. They did what God told them to do. And the sea was calm. What is it that you're keeping in the boat today? What is it in your life that you haven't shed off? It's the effect of the storm in your life. Is it the TV, cable, fancy things, cell phones? Jobs, how about a woman or a man, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, toys, your Xbox or your Wii, drugs or alcohol, what is it you fill in the blank? What is it that you've invited into your ship that's caused a storm to rage in your life? Get rid of the problem. Listen, us as a church, we're no different. We're the bride of Christ. What have we let in that's caused us to run? We need to get rid of it. So that we can see God work. And by seeing God work, we can worship. Because as long as we try and maintain these things in our own lives... And in our own ways, we will not build a healthy reliability on God. These men relied on God and removed Jonah from the boat. And at that moment, the reliance of God was what got them out of the storm. We need to develop a healthy fear of God. We need to develop a healthy reliability on God. But also, thirdly, we need to develop a healthy worship of God. It says next in verse 16, then, there's that word again, then. After they threw him overboard and God calmed the storm, then the men feared the Lord greatly. They offered sacrifice to the Lord, and made vows. Verse 5 says they became afraid. Verse 10 says they became extremely frightened. And here now in verse 16, it says the men feared the Lord greatly. The word here, fear, means to shudder, to be in awe. They have just witnessed a miracle. Did I tell you, some of us need to witness miracles. We rely so much on ourselves that we don't allow miracles to happen. But when we start relying on God, God can start showing us things. And we can begin to Worship. Have a healthy fear and reliability on God. They have developed a healthy fear of God. How do I know this? Because their actions showed it. They sacrificed to the Lord of Jonah as a way of to show their reverence to this God. Now were they saved? I don't know. Something's changed. There began a development of fear, fear, and then even more fear. And now this fear has brought them to the point of giving sacrifices and making vows. I don't know if they're saved. It sure seems like they're saved. Many commentators say, no, they weren't saved. Well, I'd rather say that they were, they feared, at least I know they feared Jonah's God. But it says here, they feared the Lord greatly, they sacrificed as a way to show their reverence to this God that they have now encountered. They may have heard of this God, but now they've seen the actions of this God. You want to be a godly person, then show God your actions. Make sacrifices. Make vows to God. Because He's worth it. You know, when we struggle with our eyes looking at stuff on TV... Maybe we need to make a sacrifice. Cut the TV off. Maybe, it, listen, maybe you're reading books that don't bring glory to God. Especially our teens. In our teenage years, this vampire movement. Holy shamoly! What have we come to? We let our children read about men sucking their blood. Oh, that's glorifying to God. That's just what I want my daughter to do. Grow up for men to suck their bloods. is what I want to teach them. Get it out of the home. Sacrifice to the Lord. Don't sacrifice your children to Satan. Sacrifice those books. Get them out of the house. What is it in your life? The human sacrifice that was made on Jonah's part was what was needed to put Jonah in the place where he would no longer run from God and fight God. But instead, he would begin to plead with God and then eventually obey God. You see, when God brings storms, people, He's bringing them to get us to a place where we'll plead and begin to obey. But as long as... As we're disobedient, we will fight with God. And as long as we fight with God, we'll never be obedient. We must plead with God. Worship always gives to God. Worship is not getting from God. We don't come in here on Sunday morning and sing worship so that we can get some good feeling. We come to worship so we can give our praises and adoration to God. That's what worship is. It's not what you can get, but what you're giving. We need to develop a healthy worship of God. Simply do as God has commanded or commissioned you, and by doing that you prove to live out worship. You know, Romans 12.1, it says, Therefore I urge you, Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is what? Your spiritual service of worship. You want to learn how to develop a healthy relationship with God? Develop a healthy worship of God. By giving your bodies to God as a living and holy sacrifice. My workers failed to do as they were told. (laughs) They decided to do what they wanted and how they wanted to and because of it, it cost my company over a million dollars. A million dollar mistake. I mean, can you fathom that? Listen, a million dollars is a lot of money to me. I can't believe they didn't fire me. I'd have fired myself if they had let me. A million dollars because they did it their own way. Well, let me tell you this morning, folks if you fail to do it God's way by putting your trust in Jesus Christ and to follow his ways, a million dollars will seem like a penny in the life of eternity separated from God. We need to do it God's way. Did I fire them? No. They made a mistake, a very big mistake, but it allowed me to bring them to a place of reconciliation. And they learned a valuable lesson that day, and so did I. You see, God places Jonah overboard for the purpose of bringing him back to himself. And that's why we see in verse 17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. We've seen the human sacrifice that had to take place on Jonah's behalf to save these sailors. We saw these men in their own efforts trying to save themselves. But it wasn't until they did what God had told them to do God's way that they were brought to safety. Well, let me ask you this morning, have you looked to Christ for your salvation? For God says there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. It's not works that save us, Otherwise, Galatians 2.21 wouldn't tell us that if it were the law that saved us, then Christ died needlessly. Jesus Christ went to the cross at Calvary, where He took your place, where the raging wrath of God should have been poured out onto you and me, but by the great mercy of God, that He first loved us and sent Jesus Christ, that we might have life. Christ took that wrath. That's why he said it is finished. Because the wrath of God had been poured out on Christ. And though Jonah's life to these men may were lost, they threw him overboard, and I could imagine they thought he died and would never come back again. God called a great fish to keep him safe. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the bottom of the boat where He went to sleep. He went down into the depths of the sea after He was cast out. And now He's down in the depths of the belly of a great fish. He was there three days and three nights. What a wonderful picture of Jesus Christ. That is a type of Christ. A picture of... Of Jesus Christ. As He hung on the cross and taken the sacrifice of mankind. They took Him down from there and they stuck Him into the ground. Into the tomb. And they thought He's dead, He's gone. And let me tell you, people today still say, He's dead and gone. But three days and three nights, He rose from the grave. Just like Jonah. From the belly of the fish, God spit Him out on a dry land. Our God is alive and well. What a wonderful picture of Christ and the sacrifice. He did that to prove who He was, who He claimed to be, God. Don't live your lives, folks, in your own abilities. It will only cause storms. Trust in Christ. The grave couldn't hold Him. No one will stop him from coming back the same way he went up. We need to have a healthy fear of God. We need to develop a healthy reliability on God. We need to develop a healthy worship of God. Because just like Jonah, God will call us someday to do something. And without fear reliance and true worship in our lives we will lean toward running in the wrong direction and who knows what the cost will be my men never in a lifetime thought their decision to do things on their own way would cost them what it cost spare yourself the trouble Do it God's way. Because you may not be able to pay the penalty of what it would cost you doing it your own way. Let us pray.